are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss, alongside Ulysses Sombrano, and we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked on Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, and online at fanstreamsports.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays and email us at LockedOnRays at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Okay, so for the next three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we have a very special guest, and that is Michael Lortz, who is an author, writer, and an expert in the Tampa Bay Rays stadium and attendance issue and debate. So we have a very long, in-depth conversation with him. Again, we'll be running that today, tomorrow, and Thursday. Without further ado, here's Michael Lortz. Welcome into another edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. And today, and probably for the next couple of days, we have a very special guest, and that is Tampa Bay area writer and author Michael Lortz. He is the founder of Tampa Bay Baseball Market.blogspot.com and also the author of Curveball at the Crossroads and a great Twitter account as well, at TB Baseball MKT. So at Tampa Bay Baseball Market is what you're looking for there. Uh, Michael, first off, thank you for joining us. And I think this has been in the making for some time. We had been meaning to have you on the show, but it seems like for the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of momentum or at least a lot of news articles and reports published regarding the whole raised stadium situation. So we figured this is probably a good time to have you on, I think. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we have talked quite a bit, obviously, in, in DMs on Twitter or, you know, right there in public on Twitter, but like, hey, I, I have to be on, you know, yeah. let's, let's make this happen. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you've, I think the USA Today said something along the lines of there's been really nobody that has written as much about Tampa Bay's baseball stadium issues and attendance issues than you have. So you are certainly the person to talk to. Um, Michael, going back a little bit, what is your baseball fandom like? How long have you been a baseball fan? How did you get into the sport growing up? Just where did that, where, where's that origin story? Wow. So first off, I'm left-handed. Mm. So being a tall, lanky, left-handed kid um, who wasn't, who didn't really have a very good jump shot, Um, you know, you end up with baseball and I grew up in a suburban New York out on Long Island. Um, so I'm in my forties and, um, back then the Mets were big, the Yankees were okay, but it was the strawberry good in eighties Mets era. So you did not play baseball in New York. The Knicks weren't all that good. You know, it was the Islanders were coming off some Stanley cups. None of the hockey teams were all that great. It was baseball. And I remember having street games with, um, if, if you've ever seen the pitch back net things that you could throw the ball against and it comes back, mm-hmm. I played so much street tennis ball automatics, you know, you hit the ball this far, it's a double, this far, it's a triple, this far, it's a home run. So many of those with my friends in the streets and baseball just became sort of like a way of life, I guess, sort of like the Sandlot, but in our own little suburban Long Island town. 
So I grew up a Mets fan, uh, moved to Florida when I was 10. And uh, the Marlins actually spring trained in my hometown for a little while, uh, Melbourne on the East Coast mm-hmm. by Cocoa Beach. And, um, you know, got into going to see spring training games, the Marlins, the Brevard County Manatees were their um, single, for, uh, uh, single A Florida State League team at the time. So went to a lot of Florida State League, league games there. Um, I left, did, did the military thing for a couple of years, um, used the GI Bill to go to uh, Florida State. So came back to Florida uh, at 22. And, uh, you know, the, the Rays had just come into existence a few years earlier. And so really wasn't a Rays fan when I was living in Tallahassee for a few years. Um, didn't become a Rays fan until I moved to Tampa in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my first big boy job. So um, came down here, started realizing that this, well, 2006, 2007, they weren't all that good, but there was new ownership. So it was a little bit to be excited about. Then, of course, they drafted Longoria, David Price, then the turnaround in 2008. And it was like, hey, this team is worth going to. Um, started going to about a game or two a season and then split season tickets with a, um, with a group from work. So then I was at 10 games a season, 20 games a season. And that was until about 2012-ish. So I still try to catch about a game or two a month. That's So for the last 10 to almost 12 years, been a real big Rays fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, started writing about the Rays once in a while on my occasional little blog for about the first three years I was a fan. But if you've ever heard of Rays Index, RaysIndex.com mm-hmm. was an older blog. Um, I don't know what he's doing. It's been closed for years, but he kind of gave me my first start uh, blogging to the Rays, uh, Rays online fandom. And I uh, wrote for him for about two years. D-Rays Bay is giving me a couple of sh- uh, chances to write for them as well. And then I was like, you know what? Just branch out into my own blog. Uh, I saw a niche that attendance really wasn't analyzed very well. Um, looking at uh, Tampa Bay from a business market perspective, and I was working on a uh, graduate degree in business at USF at the time. So I said, this is a perfect way to kind of showcase my skills a little bit and say, what kind of analysis can I do? So started doing the Tampa Bay baseball market blog, uh, looking at attendance every day, weekly wrap-ups, monthly wrap-ups, analysis of any big news. It, of course, bleeds into the stadium thing. So you got to keep kind of keep your ear on the stadium. Mm-hmm. And stopped doing that regularly in about like 2018. I went overseas for a job for a year. So it's just been Twitter heavy and the occasional post every once in a while. Interesting. Okay. So no, that's great. First off, a couple of things on your baseball fandom. Who was your favorite Mets player and your favorite Rays player? Wow. You know, I I really liked Howard Johnson back in the 80s, 90s Mets. He kind of looked like my dad. (laughs) <laughs> so he had this receding hairline and yeah, so he, came, he looked like my daddy hit home runs. So, you know, and of course he got into the Dwight Good and Daryl Strawberry uh, being left-handed, you know, kind of act like strawberry in the batter's box, you know? Yeah. Um, so those are my guys, uh, Sid Fernandez back in the day, cause he was left-handed and Ray's, oh man, how many, you know, Longoria, Price, Zobrist. I mean, those are the guys that obviously, you know, um, I was out of playing street baseball by the time the Rays came up. So mm-hmm. uh, our Rays got good. So mimicking anybody's batting stance and pitching mo- uh, ro- uh, pitching motions hasn't really been my thing. So it's been more watching and statistical. Right. But there's definitely guys that I, I, I really like on these teams, you know, over the last 10, 12 years. 
Right. And it's so funny. You mentioned you're left-handed. I was actually born left-handed and still do several things left-handed, but uh, my grandmother said to my parents, it's a right-handed world. So that, that ended wow. my chances of being a Southpaw. She was very gruff and rough in her uh, observations there. I, I, who knows? I could have maybe been something. I, I'm tall, lanky. I've got long fingers and hands. <laughs> who knows? Maybe there could have been something there. But uh, okay, Michael, let's get into the, the topic du jour here, the attendance and stadium issue. Number one, what's the biggest issue or reason why people aren't going to raise games? We hear Topkins put it out a tweet every day seemingly about of course the Rays best team in the American league. And still, I mean, I was at, I was at the lowest attended game in Rays history, pretty much the, the 4,700 uh, boomer there uh, against the Orioles on, on Tuesday night. So what's going on here? What's the biggest issue presently? I mean, I really think it's location, 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 mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the trop will never draw where it is. It's just, it's in a, it's so far away from the center of the population. You know, if, if you were to drop a, a pin, that's probably our center of population for Hillsborough, Pinellas, Pasco is probably downtown Tampa. If not, maybe just a little north of downtown Tampa. Um, so that stadium is, is not in a very good place. I like to say that it never should have been built in the first place. Mm. I know a lot of people have, you know, emotional memories there and I do as well, you know, all these things. And, and you don't want to, you know, hurt people's feelings, but you're like, Hey, the city council of St. Pete never should have approved that project in the late eighties in the first place. It was a really just a bad debacle. And I feel like they kind of just jammed it through. They didn't know they were going to get a team. It was a low income area. They got the land cheap and they just were like, Hey, let's just build a baseball stadium before Tampa can. So in some research, I found that there was actually supposed to be a dome built sort of almost right next to where Raymond James is. Wow. Um, I guess right in that area, there were some people trying to build, uh, looking at proposals to build a baseball stadium to, again, attract a major league team. And St. Pete was like, no, we're doing it first. And they broke ground and there's no reason for two baseball stadiums, you know, because one would just sit empty. So Tampa backed off and we are in the generational debacle that we're in now. So, I think that's probably 80%. Now, however, there's no doubt that COVID has some play here. There's, you know, the Delta variant, and I'm not trying to get into mask or unmask or vax or Mm -hmm. no vax, but there's no doubt that there is got to be some percentage of the fan base that's like, I'm just not okay with going to big crowds right now. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus and be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, 
right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Also remember to use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N bet online, your online sports book experts. Do you think there's any merit to the idea that since this whole split city scenario and proposal has come about that it's turned off a portion of the Rays fan base and they sit down and say, I don't care how good the Rays are. I'm not putting another, another dime. I'm not, I'm not spending another dime that goes towards Sternberg and the ownership group. And I, I will not, you know, kind of a boycott in a sense of not going to raise games. Would that be a, a little bit of a piece at all? Or is, I don't sure. know if you've given any consideration to that. Sure. Absolutely. I've been given that consideration. Um, uh, Noah Pransky was probably the first person that really talked heavily about the negative feedback loop mm-hmm. and that the more negative articles we see, it's more like, well, the Rays are leaving in 2027 or they don't like, they're not investing in this area or mm-hmm. they're not saying that they want to be our generational team, you know, and as long as they say that, I don't blame fans for just being like, you know what? I'll just watch on TV. I'll have it on the background. I'll follow the, you know, the standings. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read Twitter about it, but there's no way I'm making the haul all the way out there. I'm not getting my kids emotionally involved in this. You know, it's, it becomes kind of like a bad relationship or a bad yeah. breakup, you know? You right. Know? Is there any, and again, I'm, I'm picking at straws here, but because at the end of the day, this is a really, the Rays are putting a good product on the field. They, I mean, look at their win total. Look at what they've done sure. the last several years here. Um, I've heard an argument that, well, their radio crew is too good. Their TV broadcast crew is too good. I mean, do you <laughs> buy into that at all? Or that's like a really small, like people would still, you could have the best crew of all time. You still try to find a way to get to a couple of games here and there. Now that's true. David and Andy are great. I listen to them regularly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I'm in the car, it's Dave and Andy. If I'm at home, it's, uh, it's BA and Dwayne, you know, and they're mm-hmm. great. They are fantastic. Uh, you know, the Alley sports has put together a great team with them and Trisha Whitaker and, you know, the guys, uh, the, the pregame and postgame and, and Neil, I think you guys have had Neil on recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, the Rays have are all stars and, I mean, maybe that makes people kind of comfortable in staying home. Right. And they're like, well, you know what? I'm staying home, but the race announcers are good enough anyway that, you know, I've got the, a 16 screen and I've got, you know, I'm not spending $12 on a beer uh, or a hot dog is not $6, Yeah, you know, or whatever it is. And I've got Dwayne and BA and Andy and Dave and, and I'm good, you know. So that definitely, you know, but that argument's been around since – since right. baseball's been televised, you know, of that Dodger fans and Vince Scully and Do- Tiger fans and Ernie Harwell and whatever other classic announcer, you know, mm-hmm. you know, markets kind of just be like the, the, the ability to go to the game and see it live is better than any announcer is going to say it any, or just put the transistor radio up to your ear or stream it on your phone right. and listen to it. Listen to what they're saying as it's happening right in front of you. So I don't feel like that is too much. I might provide the comfort of we're not going. Right. So we, we've got great announcers when we are home. But I do feel like the traffic is the number one thing. The trop is not the greatest place to see a ball game. So I feel like that kind of might turn off, you know, 5%. So it's when you add up all these 
you know, you get this big chunk of thing with the location. And then you just add 5% for this, 5% for this, 5% for this. And and it adds up. And should we be lower than 5,000? I, I wish not. Should we, we be lower than 10,000? I wish not. Will we sell out 25,000, 30,000 a night? That's not happening, not on a right. weekday. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned a couple of things there with, you know, finding – uh, an ideal location in the downtown Tampa area, maybe north of downtown. Have you picked out a spot that would this would be the perfect fit when you add in the 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 radius and just and and travel and and the amount of people, just everything? Okay, you 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 drop a pin here. This is where the stadium should be. Where, where is that place in your estimation? Sure. Un- unfortunately, the Steinbrenners own that 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 lot. I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of if it has to be in Pinellas, the Gandy, uh, the Gandy dog track, okay. but I, I hear that that has a lot of environmental problems and the weight of a baseball stadium versus the weight of a dog track might make the stadium sink. You know, it, it it's not in a very, um, stable location relative to the Bay. But then I think that like, well, if you're, if we wanted to put a stadium by the water anyway, wouldn't we have that problem no matter where we put it? Because the baseball stadium is very heavy. Um, but would that add another million or another hundred million, another 200 million to the cost to, mm-hmm. to solidify the foundation? And, you know, and then you got to take out the dog track and you got to do all the logistics about that. So, but I do also know that dog racing is going away in the next year or two. I think we just passed that with the legislature so why do we have this gigantic lot for, you know, what, uh, dog, um, gambling or, you know, whatever kind of, are we going to put slot machines in there? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? I know Amazon is starting to use the lot as a delivery, po- as a uh, staging point now. So it's either we put a baseball stadium there or Amazon turns it into a warehouse. And- so, so is that the best location or is that just in Pinellas? Because I, I was thinking that you were thinking that the best place would be somewhere in Hillsborough County in the Tampa. So I Tampa think on proper. the Pinellas side and, and the and Pinellas is of course, you know, has funding and all that stuff. So using Pinellas' okay. line of funding, I think the dog track's the best place. Using Hillsborough's line of funding, which I don't know if anybody knows what that may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ebor location, might as well jump right, right into that one. Yeah. I thought it was a nice spot like years ago. I was like, I had gone to Memphis and Memphis has a a triple A team jammed right in the middle of downtown. And you go to Beale street and you go the, um, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are a couple blocks away. And there's this minor league baseball stadium right in the middle of town. And I went there, I was like, this is amazing. We should do this here in Tampa. But then I realized that minor league baseball maybe draws five to 10,000. And that's a good night for a triple A team. That's not a good night for a major league baseball team. Mm-hmm. And so where would ingress and egress and parking and all that stuff. And the Rays want to try and squeeze a 20,000, 25,000 person stadium in Ebor. Well, that means we're never getting an all-star game. That means a world series would be 20 to 25,000 people. I can't imagine how go- how gouged the ticket prices would be mm-hmm. um, because that would sell out in about 30 seconds. So you would get, you would really be pricing the average fan out of big games in a 20, 25,000 person stadium. So that's my, that's one of my problems at the really small stadium and squeezing it into Ebor into that, that corner there, the corner of um, 60 and 
Adamo and uh, yeah, just that that Ebor City that area, area yeah. 15th and 4th and all that stuff. It's a cool location, but it'd be it's it's too way too small because we don't have enough public transportation. If we had three trains coming into that spot and we had buses and all that stuff, it'd be great. But we don't, and then we we would be relying on traffic. And you know how bad traffic gets downtown for a Lightning game. Mm-hmm. The Rays want to draw that much, and imagine if the Lightning and the Rays play on the same day. I just don't go downtown. So I like that location. I just thought it was just way too tight, way too tight. Um, but yeah, if I had a magic wand, I would move Steinbrenner field to drop, yeah. uh, to the trop site, move the trop to Steinbrenner field site. Um, I guess the, another location we could talk about is out by the, uh, out by the fairgrounds. Right. That's, that's another location that a lot of people tr- like to talk about. I know the rays aren't very big on that. And the, re- the reason that they don't seem very big on that is because there's no restaurants out there. I mean, you got the casino, but that's about mm-hmm. it. There's a wing house. Um, I, I don't even know what else is in that area. I, otherwise you got to go down to Adamo and, and to say road 60 and, and like you're going towards Brandon or, or coming back into Tampa. So there's no bars or anything like that to just kind of, you know, go to shows or, um, go to before and after the game. And so the Rays really want that. The Rays really want the downtown area and things like that. So that's why they were big on the Ebor site. Right. Um, now, however, Again, magic wand, you know, I, I can wish and, you know, um, but if the Seminole Indians ever bought the Rays and said, you know what, sports gambling is getting big, let's put, let's just buy a baseball team because then we have our own sports to gamble on. Mm-hmm. If the Seminole tribe ever bought the Rays and they're one of the few people who I can see putting together an offer, then I could see a stadium out by the Hard Rock because okay. I could see them building a big complex and putting restaurants and really going big. I can see the Seminole Indians going really, really big and to making it a whole entertainment complex and everything. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? It doesn't make any sense at all. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer as well. They have everything you could possibly need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And remember to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you to the right place. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, You can talk with me, Ulysses, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms once a week for the Locked on Rays podcast. And yes, that means you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. So go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Spotify Greenroom, 
changing the way we talk sports. Are there any other locations that you think have even a remote possibility? Is there anywhere off I-4, anywhere even in Pasco County, like Wesley Chapel or something like that? Or it's just you're too far gone at this point to even consider? I think I'm too far gone. The mayor of Oldsmore wanted to put it, I think there's a dog track in Oldsmore. And he was like, well, we could put it here. And everybody was like, you realize getting to Oldsmore is pain in the butt anyway? Mm -hmm. Now you want fans to try and fight that? Like, it's just not going to work. Um so really, and then there was a Carillon area right off of I-4, right when you get into Clearwater, mm-hmm. that area. Um, there was a dump, I think, out there. But I think somebody bought all that land and was going to redevelop it for something else anyway. Um, so that was an early, that was like a 2013 to 2016 era, uh, era idea. Okay, I see. Um, um, you know, going... You know, what... Could the Rays just build a smaller stadium at the Trop site? You know, level the Trop yeah. and just build one in the parking lot. I don't think that I don't think that location will ever be good enough for attendance visuals. Mm-hmm. You know, Sternberg could get the money for redevelopment and he could align his own pockets with whatever other investments he's doing, build other restaurants and apartment complexes and stuff, but the visuals will still not be good. Right. You know, you mentioned the the fairground site and yeah, there's not really any restaurants or anything out there, but couldn't the race theoretically, I mean, you'd probably have to, it would cost a lot more if you want to do it right, but do what they did in Atlanta or I guess Cobb County, wherever it technically is, where they have battery, where it's almost like a whole entertainment venue leading up. It's almost like a Sparkman wharf kind of a deal leading up to the stadium. And it's not just, it's not just for a baseball game, but it's open around the clock basically or is it or are we just at the point where we're just here we're just going to build a stadium and that that's that's it the, the redevelopment we're not really dealing with that at all so I, the rays have said multiple multiple times that they're not in the real estate business okay um and you need an ownership that's going to say uh yeah we want to build all these things we want to do all these other contracts we're going to create subdivisions of whatever uh, rays baseball uh, incorporated is going to have sub businesses that are to negotiate all these other contracts with all the restaurants and everything. It would be, you know, like when you look at the Yankees, they have multiple sub businesses underneath. They have the businesses that negotiate their cable contracts and they are on their cable network. And so the uh, businesses that run all these other sub businesses and the Rays, I think are kind of in the business of we're, we play baseball and that's it. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. No, no. So that's it. I, I just don't think the, the Rays have now maybe enough money flashes before Stu Sternberg and he says, you know what? Let's kind of, uh, let's, let's explore that route. But another good example there is Jeff Finnick. You know, Jeff Finnick owns multiple businesses, you know, his real estate business, the Lightning itself, the Emily Arena is its own business. So when you look at it from a business perspective, I just don't think Stu Sternberg wants to be as involved as Jeff Finnick in regards to developing entire areas of Tampa. Right. You mentioned, and I know this is totally a pipe dream, but I might as well throw it out there where the Tampa Yankees play, where spring training is for the Yankees, Steinbrenner field. Is there any way where MLB could step in or there could be some agreement worked out where the Rays get access to that property 
and the Yankees relocate their spring training site elsewhere in the Tampa Bay area, or that's going to be a foothold for them. As long as there's a Steinbrenner owning a baseball team, as long as there's a Steinbrenner owning the Yankees, so to speak. Well, see, now that lease was supposed to expire in 2027. Hmm. And if that year sounds familiar, it's because that's the same year that the Trump is uh, the Trump use agreements expired. And when I first started writing, I was like, oh, this is a way forward. You know, you've got you've got four minor league teams in this area, Dunedin and Bradenton, Tampa and Clearwater. Dunedin's lease was supposed to expire. Okay, the Blue Jays, we don't lose too many fans to the Blue Jays uh, minor league. Mm-hmm. We don't lose too many, too much revenue to Blue Jays spring training, but okay, the Blue Jays could fly literally fly the coop to somewhere else. <laughs> um but the Yankees would be the bigger issue. And the Yankees lease was supposed to expire in 2027. Well, the Yankees are exceptionally smart at business. So in like 2014, they approached the city of Tampa and gave them a sort of a bargain on, Hey, if you help us refurbish the um, Steinbrenner field and put in some more uh, luxury boxes and stuff like that, we'll extend the lease to 2040. Knowing exactly that the Rays lease expired the same year as the Yankees and that Tampa was interested in getting the raise. So the Yankees kind of just said, Hey, you know, let's extend our lease. The city of Tampa sees no problem with having two teams, which to me is mind boggling because no other market of our size is trying to squeeze into fandoms. It's ridiculous. But so to get back to your question, could major league baseball step in and say, Hey, Yankees go somewhere else. It's the Yankees, man. I don't think Major League Baseball will ever tell the Yankees no. They can't do something um, because the Yankees are the biggest, pretty pretty much a flagship franchise. You know, it's the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Red Sox. Yeah. They get to basically do whatever they want. Right. And I forgot to mention, they've got the whole, I mean, across the street, their whole player development compound, their complex there, which that leads into another issue. And just the fact that, Steinbrenner's mark is on the Tampa Bay area. There's a high school named after him in Lutz. Sure. There's the boys and girls club. There's a lot of things that, uh, that relates both those two things there. Um, Michael, and yeah, I know we haven't really dived deep into this yet, but might as well bring it up. The whole split city scenario. Um, first off, when you initially heard the news, that press conference, what was it? July of 2019. Yes, it was 2019. Yes, it was okay. 2019. Yeah, the the bombshell of the report. What were your initial impressions? What, do you remember where you were that day and and what you were um, doing when you you saw that news scroll across your your phone or uh, or your computer or whatever it may be? I, I want to say, oh, I went to that. I oh. was actually there. Um, yeah, because it had come out a few days earlier that the Rays were going to do this at the Dolly Museum. Mm-hmm. And I had actually gone there and I ran into some of the folks from, I want to say I was ran into some of the folks from D-Rays Bay. No. Um, who did I run into media wise? Maybe it was Steve Carney. Maybe, okay. you know, maybe some of the radio guys. Um, I'd seen some of them there and I just went because I was like, you know what, if this is open to the public, I want to sit in the background. Like, because this is, this is kind of, this is breaking news, you know? And, um, I had actually saw Brian Ald there and, um, oh, what is her name? Razzie, um, our, 
Oh, I cannot remember her name. She's, she's one of the um, communications directors for the race. Okay. And I've known her for years or, or you know, seen her, interacted with her for, for several years. Um, emerged Tampa. She was part of the Young Professionals group, and I was part of that as well. And um, so I saw her there, and I saw Brian Ald there, and I had interviewed Brian Ald a few years ago as well. Um, I think like 2015, 2016. So, and me and Brian had communicated via email back and forth. So Brian knew, knew who I was, pointed me to Razzie, and Razzie, unfortunately, couldn't get me in the list. To go, like, it was already kind of, I guess, full, you know, like, they only had, like, 50 seats, and they had all 50 seats accounted for. So, I ended up going to, whether it was Ferg's or one of the local sports bars in the area just to watch it. And I was just like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Because <laughs> nobody was really pushing back on them at all. Um, you know, nobody was like, what, what about the fans? You know, do you expect fans to actually be, you know interested in a 40 game season i feel like and the rays did their typical thing the rays did the typical brian alt comes out and i like brian brian's a good dude like i said i've had email correspondences a little bit with brian um and brian's a good dude but brian's good cop to Stu sternberg's bad cop mm-hmm. you know brian will come out and say all the great things that the rays have done sponsor little leagues um you know do pride nights and you know they're they're uh, fostering this and they're doing this and they're doing all these initiatives, which are great and wonderful things. But that's what Brian Ald is there for is to say all the great things that the Rays are doing. Then Stu comes in and says, Oh yeah, by the way, we're moving to Montreal. Here's, you know, just the bad, the Darth Vader sorry, mm-hmm. type of uh, thing. He comes in, you know, says, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And sorry, this is our plan. And if you don't like it, go suck on an egg, <laughs> you know? So and then he had he paraded some businesses people out there. I remember there was a guy that stood up and was like, "Mr. Sternberg, thank you for bringing baseball to Tampa Bay, and thank you for all you've done, and we really support you no matter what." And everybody was just like, "Who is this guy? And how much did Stu Sternberg pay him?" Yeah, it's his cousin or uncle or something, his distant relative or close business partner. So it did seem like a definitely a sham. Of there weren't a lot of hard-hitting journalistic questions it seemed like in the allotted time that they had there from what i recall i'd have to go back and listen to it or watch it there okay that wraps up part one of our conversation with michael lords part two of course will be running tomorrow then part three on thursday that wraps up this edition of the locked on race podcast now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of the locked on bets podcast hope you all have a wonderful day Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow.